Are you ready for some scalding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Mizutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome to Inside Purple and Gold. Chase Frederick, Dane Mizutani here on Thursday, October 6th. Breaking down all things Vikings Bears today as they head into that, I would say for Minnesota, pivotal, pivotal NFC North matchup at noon at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Dane, there's so many things to get into with this matchup. We're going to talk just kind of overall franchise directions of these two teams as they both have new leadership, both at the front office and coaching level. Uh, We'll get into like the actual matchup of these two teams, um, where the strengths, weaknesses, how we think it's going to play out. Uh, But first, let's get into some more Viking stuff today uh, to open the show. First up, I wanted to just get into something that I thought was really cool uh, that Kevin O'Connell I think kind of orchestrated with this team and Lewis seen, and we saw the injury, um, you know, the gruesome injury on Sunday in London. And obviously he's been in London with, you know, surgeries to prepare uh, to first prepare and then have surgery on that leg. And what Minnesota did yesterday in like FaceTiming, zooming, I don't remember exactly what mechanism they used uh, seen in with the team. Um, on his birthday, just to kind of include him at a time where you probably feel kind of alone. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool because I'm sure of when you suffer a big injury, when you're in a different country, when the team like leaves uh, while you are left back, that's probably a pretty lonely feeling, even though there are certainly members of the organization with him. But just the fact that the Vikings went out of their way to be like, hey, you are still a part of this team. Um, and we are thinking of you on your birthday as you were going through this. I think that was kind of cool from a culture standpoint and also just like a, a human thing yeah it, it sounds so simple right like just wishing someone a happy birthday but like it and i don't want to make this an o'connell zimmer thing but i guess i'm what i'm about to say is inherently gonna make it an o'connell zimmer thing i just don't know if, if something like that happens in the previous regime i don't know that it doesn't um but it, it does speak to you know how kevin o'connell is like always thinking about you know, not just the the football side of it, like the human side of it. Like you said, like this kid's turning 23 years old in a hospital in London right now after having surgery that it might alter just the entire trajectory of his, his NFL career, his life, really. So something as simple as seeing like all 53 or probably 70-ish people with the coaching staff like on a Zoom call and knowing that your face is plastered at the front of that media meeting room something that probably would have happened if he were in the building. I think Kevin O'Connell probably would have trotted Lewis seen up to the front and team would have saying happy birthday or something to him. Like the fact that he was still able to kind of have that moment um, really cool. And I think, yeah, um, speaks to kind of the culture that that is being kind of cultivated here in Minnesota. It's one of those things with football. And I think all coaches are able to walk the line. All good coaches are able to walk the line of this. Like, yes, it's a business. Um, Certainly tough decisions have to be made. Yes, you have to demand a lot of your players. um, But you also have to recognize that these are humans. And like there is a very personal human component to all of this. And if you want to create like that quote unquote family atmosphere, that can't be when someone is like, on the field playing well for you. Like you have to be thinking of the person at all times. And I do think Kevin O'Connell does that, um, which is kudos to him um, in that, in that respect. And, and not just from Lewis, Lewis scene standpoint, like from the team standpoint, from his right. teammate standpoint, like I'm sure they miss him or like, you know, like the safeties that are working with him every day, the rookies that came in with him, like 
they want it. They want, they wish he was there. So I think that not only shows to Lewis seen that you care, it shows to the rest of the team, like, Hey, like we don't just forget about someone if, if they're gone. Um, it, it must stink right now for him though. I know he like the hope is like what I've been told is that like, he's going to be back by like, hopefully by the end of the weekend at the latest, like in Minnesota, I think Kevin O'Connell said yesterday, I think the NFL handles and like, he does, he's not going to have to fly commercial. It's not like he's going to have to have like a cast on his leg, like flying commercial. I think the NFL handles that travel. The Vikings did send out some of Lewis family to London. So he can have at least someone else there besides just Viking staff. Um, but that it must just be a pretty dark time in his life. And, and I just really hope like, yes, it, it'd be nice if he got back on the field in 2023, but it's going to be a hard year. So I hope, uh, I hope the support system he has, and I hope the Vikings organization as a whole is, is something he can lean on, um, in the next six months to a year. It's, it's, it's not going to be easy for the kid. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the one bright spot, like you see these gruesome injuries and you think like, <laughs> It's horrific and it is, uh, but it's not a doesn't have to be a career ender. Like we see a lot of these things with these compound fractures and whatnot, where like guys get back and it's not always an easy road and it depends on how everything goes with your recovery. But see many guys come back from things where it looked like there was no way. Um, and, and they come back in great form, frankly, too. So a lot of hope and optimism for Lewis team, but you're right. Like these months to come are going to be really difficult. This week's probably really, really difficult. Um, all those things just wanted to touch on that uh, before now we, trying to transition um, into Vikings football um, and what we're going to see on the field and what we have seen on the field. And uh, it's probably time because it's been maybe like two days, uh, two shows since we talked about Kirk Cousins extensively. So uh, let's just go ahead and hop back on that saddle. Uh, Kirk Cousins, four games in. Because Kevin O'Connell talked a little bit about Cousins this week. um, First off, let's just, before we give our takes, like what has O'Connell said about Kirk, what we've seen through four games and, and where he thinks he can go from here? Yeah, I think we touched on it a little bit after maybe it was after Sunday's game or in Tuesday's episode, but I forget which one. But Kevin O'Connell hasn't been like super glowing about Kirk. Like he's been supportive of him, yes, but he hasn't been unrealistic in his assessment of him, which I think is also important. Um, it it builds credibility from you know like him to reporters, but also him to the team. Like if the if he's coming out there and saying, yeah, Kirk's been awesome for the first four weeks of the season, like Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin cook, like linemen, like everyone knows like when Kirk is good and when Kirk is not good and through four games, like Kirk has not been that good. He's actually been as bad as he's been. I think like a lot of statistics show, like he's been as bad as he's been since he's been a member of the Minnesota Vikings. And it's so and the fa- frankly, ever since he's been as a starting quarterback in his career numbers wise. Yeah, so like the fact that Kevin O'Connell is is realistic in that ex- assessment and saying, yes, there's a lot of room to grow. I feel good about where he's at, but I know there's a lot of room to grow. Like, I, I think he understands that like if Kirk continues to play quarterback the way he's been playing over the first four weeks of the season, the Vikings will regress and they will not be that good. I, I don't know if they're that good right now, but if he continues to play quarterback like this, like they have, you know, the hope and a prayer of, of being a contender, like it's not going to work. So you, you hear Kevin O'Connell say these things and and you hear Kirk even kind of uh, say these things, a guy, not the most accountable over the course of his career, like has always found ways to either like 
deflect or like talk about a bigger picture from a team standpoint. It really doesn't take blame himself. Even he started to do that this year. I think maybe some of that has to do with like the coach's support. Um, but so I think that like, yeah, he hasn't been good so far, um, but there are signs that like it could turn. Um, there is also the possibility, like we've talked about that he's just washed and that like this, he's just got old quick. Um, but I'm not ready to say it yet. I, I, I'll give him another month. They are three and one. Um, and I do think this, this complex offense, I think they're going to continue to learn and kind of grow in it. Um, but yeah, not the best first month for, by any means. Um, we'll see how he kind of continues his progression over the next month, two months, three months. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely is something where like, this is the worst football Kirk's played in terms of, it's almost ironic. Like we've seen Kirk with empty stats, quote unquote, without wins. And it's like, that's why we bagged on him. And now it's bad numbers and three and one. Um, and so now we're going to bag on him for the numbers. Um, it, it, it kind of puts you in a weird spot if you've been talking about empty stats for so many years. Um, but frankly, like the eye test just says it hasn't been great. Um, and, and that's kind of been the case with this whole team. Uh, but to his credit, like, Hey, three wins and two of them have come on game winning drive. So like, I don't know. Um, he's finding a way to get it done. And for many quarterbacks, <clears throat> maybe who we don't have as high expectations for, we would say like, that guy's just a winner. Uh, you know, like doesn't play well all game and goes and gets it done. Like that is literally like at, I remember Tim Tebow in his er, first season or whatever, and he was winning games and it was hideous and then they would they would just do a drive at the end of the game and it'd be like winner uh and that's what kirk's doing now and certainly kirk's a much significantly 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 better quarterback than that i'm not trying to make too much of a comparison there but i think it's like expectations um for can kind of like shape your reality of it uh look what expected like this big boom from kirk cousins because of kevin o'connell and and it's been a little bit the opposite uh, but he still is kind of finding ways to win and making plays down the stretch. I just, how much do you think of this is like, cause I'm not sure. Like part of me wonders like, okay, Kirk's 34. You know, we've seen other quarterbacks who get older and they're struggling. Russell Wilson's turning 34 at the end of this year and he's struggling. Matt Ryan, we're seeing at, at that kind of age, he's struggling. Matt Stafford is 34. He's struggling. Uh, we might be getting to a point where like, Hey, if you're not like eating plants and, I don't know dinosaur eggs like Tom Brady. Maybe like this is kind of a cutoff age for you. Uh, I, I think that might be possible for a lot of type of players. Like your arms is not as lively, and and that makes life more difficult for you. So, do you think it's that? Do you think it's like uh, just totally an adjustment to a new offense? Like it could be for Russell Wilson as well. Like like it could be for Matt Ryan as well. Though I think Matt Ryan struggled for a few years now. Like, how do you gauge out this kind of rough statistical start for Kirk Cousins? Like where? Where are you kind of placing, I don't want to say blame, but what are you attributing it to? Yeah, I don't think I'm ready to say that he's he's in the complete decline of his career quite yet. Um, maybe I would say he's past the week, peak. That, that, yes, but I don't think it's it's like a significant downturn. Like sometimes we just see like significant, oh, that guy is old. Um, yeah. He wasn't last year. He is this year. Um, a lot of times it's more gradual. And I, I think while there is a downward trajectory at this point for Kirk's career. 
I think it's going to be more gradual. I don't think he's fallen off a cliff by any means. Maybe I will feel differently in week eight here. Um, but I'm I'm willing to give him the next month of the season, month and a half of the season, kind of to give that benefit of the doubt. Because he has come up big in big moments. He did look pretty good at well, in the first half of, of week one. Um, not, not, not so much in the second half of week one. He's actually only played one good half this this through four weeks of the season. So I understand if you want to say he's washed, if people want to say like out there that, that his best days are behind him and he's just a below average quarterback at this point, I would have a hard time arguing that. Um, but I, I just always kind of go back to listening to, to Justin Jefferson, talk about this offense, listening to Adam Thielen, talk about this offense, uh, even listening to like some of the offensive linemen talk about this offense. Like it's complex. I think it was going to come along a little bit slower than than the expectation of well Kevin O'Connell just won a Super Bowl in LA he turned Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup into a dynamic duo like that's going to just immediately hit the ground running in Minnesota I think it was always going to take a little bit more time than than we expected maybe that's what you can attribute some of these struggles to um it hasn't clicked yet um there are signs that that maybe it will um I look at Justin Jefferson being shut down for 2 weeks and then them finding ways to get him the ball with more regularity last week in London. Um, so yeah, I mean, are Kirk's best days behind him? Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Is he just someone who you cannot win with anymore? Like, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I'm not by any way insinuating that like this dude's unplayable. Like certainly he's, if, if average is the baseline, like he's not worse than that. We see enough really bad quarterbacks where obviously he's right. average at worst. Um, that's kind of always been the statement about him is he just average, but there's no way is he worse than average. Um, we talked about this in the preseason and it was like my concern for this team getting off to a slow start, which they haven't in terms of record, but they have in other areas of like when you're shifting so much, when you're changing so much in terms of scheme, it's going to take a while. And we're seeing that now. I just think that, the Green Bay game like created unrealistic expectations for where they already mm -hmm. were and where they were going from there. And you assume that's just kind of the launching pad. Um, and it turns out it was just kind of like Green Bay lost a lot of guys in coverage. And um, and now like we're seeing, I think like, OK, and here are the growing pains now that you would have expected. Uh, and they've been aided by the schedule. So they're still winning games. Uh but it's maybe it shouldn't be surprising that this transition is taking place. Like this should have been expected. We've kind of talked about it. I thought it would be at the expense of wins, um, which it hasn't been, uh, I think because, you know, they played some banged up teams, but still like it's, this isn't unsurprising. So if this team plays much better offensively in the second quarter of the season here, as we get into this next four game stretch or, or the one after that, like, that's all very possible. Um, and, but I think we're going to get more answers and there are still some unknowns though of like, okay, we think that there's going to be like a comfortability coming in with the scheme and adjustment, Kevin O'Connell finding the right mix, implementing more of his game plan, but we don't know that. Um, so that's, what's going to be interesting as we move forward here. And I think that's where like, if you're a fan of this team, you just want to see the offense take steps forward um, and maybe look more comfortable for longer stretches of the game. And maybe we start to see that this week. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, it's not like an automatic foregone conclusion that this offense is just going to click magically in like week seven or week eight or week nine. Like, it might not. It might just look clunky all year. It might look clunky all year because of Kirk. It might look clunky all year because 
guys like Adam Thielen get old or guys like Irv Smith just aren't as good as you thought they were going to be. And Justin Jefferson's kind of having to do it alone. Dalvin Cook looks like he might be kind of on the wrong side of it at this point. So like, yeah, it's not a foregone conclusion that the offense is going to click. Um, but I think you're right. Like it, it's something that you can kind of monitor a progression at this point. If you just kind of take away the green Bay game, which I think we, it's fair to do at this point. Like that was yeah, an outlier. That was the outlier like, for sure. Um, I'm not willing to say they've gotten better every week, but like kind of, they were so bad against Philadelphia that like you were, you could only go up. They were still pretty bad against Detroit, but I guess you could say that's an improvement over Philadelphia. And I guess they were better against new Orleans than they were against Detroit. So yeah, no, I'm willing to, they, they've, they've slowly progressed each week, even if that progression has kind of come at the expense of like solid football play. Um, offense i think has a chance to figure it out defense we always kind of harp on i i I don't know if they will ever figure it out but from an offensive standpoint from a kevin o'connell standpoint from a kirk cousins standpoint i think there's reason for hope at least still with this offensive unit um i think there's a chance that they could still figure it out and be pretty good if you want to point out a positive for the offense it's that they looked horrendous against philly uh frankly like against detroit's defense scoring 24 points is really bad uh, we saw Seattle score like 48 uh, this last week <laughs> yeah. with relative ease. Like that is a horrendous Detroit defense uh, that Minnesota struggled with for large parts of the game. And I will say for the Vikings offense, to their credit, yes, they struggled in the red zone. And that's what matters. Like seven points versus three is the difference in winning and losing in the NFL. But they did move the ball quite a bit against what is still a good Saints defense. Like the Saints offense was decimated by injuries. The defense was not. Um, that's still a pretty good unit. Yeah. That Minnesota moved the ball and scored when they needed to. Like, so if you want to point on an upward trajectory, I think that's fair to do there. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk Vikings bears and more just kind of general trajectory of these two franchises heading into this game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Please follow, like, subscribe. Make sure you're getting every episode of Inside Purple and Gold on your favorite podcast platform. Helps you out. Make sure you get every episode as it comes out. Helps us out. Helps the show. Uh, Please support us in doing that. We greatly appreciate it. Dane, Vikings, Bears this week. You look at it and you say, hey, Vikings 3-1, and Bears 2-2. and Like, here we go. Big NFC North matchup. Big division implications. And to some degree it does. Uh, Minnesota can't lose this game for sure. But I don't get the sense that these are two teams that are both like, yeah, we're trying to win. The Vikings are. The Bears, I don't really think are. Um, it's interesting because we do have two, and I know you're going to write about this in Sunday's Pioneer Press, so people should check that out. But you've got Ryan Poles, and he hires Matt Eberflus. So, like, you've got the whole new leadership structure in Chicago. Minnesota has the same thing. Quasi uh, Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell leading the charge there. But, like, we heard in the offseason, Quasi Adolfo Mensa be like, a oh, competitive rebuild. And the Bears, it's very clear when you trade like Khalil Mack, uh, when you put together an offense with no talent, um, they are not doing a competitive rebuild. They are just doing the rebuild. Uh, And I think we've kind of seen that. What do you think of these two approaches? Uh, Certainly, it's going to lead to more wins for the Vikings this year. But just in general, 
the ways in which the franchises have approached their new situations with their new leadership structures. Yeah, I get it from both sides of the spectrum. So, like, let's just take the Vikings first. Whoever got that job, whether it was Quasi Adolfo Mensa, whether it was Ryan Poles, who I think it's been widely reported the Vikings wanted Poles and he decided to go to the Bears instead, probably because of what I'm about to say. Yeah. No matter who was the GM there, they were going to have to try to win now. Uh, Mark Wilf made it very clear. The Wilf family made it very clear. We want to be, quote, very competitive. Uh, we want to be very, very competitive this year. And so I think whoever got this job, um, it turned out to be Quasi Adolfo Mensa, was going to have to make moves that kind of pushed the, the franchise towards winning, pushed the, the narrative forward. And, and from that standpoint, Quasi has done exactly what he's been asked to do. Um, I think there is something to be said about he took a lot of heat for extending Kirk Cousins. I still don't know if it was the right decision, but maybe Quasi looked at the the NFL and said, I think, you know, if I analyze the league as a whole, this could be a down year for the league. This could be a flatter year for the league. And it has been. So he kicks the can down the road with Kirk Cousins. He doesn't rebuild. He doesn't find a new quarterback in a year that's kind of proven. I mean, it, the jury's still out on this draft class, but for all intents and purposes right now, we can say like, you would not have had a better option than Kirk Cousins to try and win and, and generate some goodwill. So in, in year one of Quasi's tenure with the Vikings, he's making ownership happy. He is generating some goodwill by putting some wins together in a league that looks like it's going to be pretty flat this year. There aren't a lot of elite teams in the NFL this year. So I get it. Um, it might make contending in the long run harder because I think it, it's been proven in the NFL that, it's it's easier to start over than it is to try and just get over that hump, be average and get over that hump. Then you look at the bears like, yeah, they're not going to call it a rebuild because no one really does that anymore. They just kind of say like, Oh, you know, like we're planning for the future. Like no one says like, we're going to be horrible for five years, but like, I think the bears could be horrible for like three or four years. And I think that's fine. I think Ryan poles, that's a big reason he took this job because he could kind of mold it in the way he wanted to. He didn't, he wasn't hamstrung to like an ownership group that wanted to be competitive. Justin Fields is his quarterback right now. He's going to have to decide whether to pick up that fifth year option at some point in the near future. Like I think it's next year that that decision will have to be made. If he's not, then, then Ryan poles will pick his quarterback and then his clock will really start. So I think, the fact that both of these franchises have gone in two different directions, um, it's kind of not unfair because they, they got hired at the same time, but it's, it's a little unfair to, to to compare these two general managers because they've just been kind of given two different sets of like circumstance. Um, but yeah, there's no question. The Vikings have gone one way and the Bears have gone the other. We'll see what, what happens this Sunday. Um, the Vikings can't afford to lose the game. The Bears certainly can't afford to lose the game. Because, like, the Vikings are apparently in the midst of a com midst of a competitive rebuild. Um, mm -hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> because to me, it looks like they're just trying to win. And yeah. like, what the rebuild part is, what just using your draft picks, like every other team does. Like, I'm not sure I quite understand the idea of a competitive rebuild because they're not playing young players; they're playing their veteran players. Like, they're it's they're playing a veteran quarterback. They've got a bunch of older guys on the team. Like. 
this, I think maybe they should have just said, we're just trying to be competitive because that's what it looks like to me. Like you've got the bears clearly playing to lose games. Um, probably a little upset. They've won two, uh, because they played the Texans and they played in a monsoon. Um, can't complete a forward pass. Look like, you know, it's like, Hey, we're trying to lose every game 20 to 13. Uh, but the Vikings, like they look like they're just playing to win as many games as possible. They look like that's what they did with the roster. And I don't see any type of transition uh, from one to yeah. the next. So what do you, what do you interpret a competitive rebuild as? Cause to me, it sounds like not a rebuild at all. I honestly think it was just a buzzword. Quasi made up on the spot. Um, while he was speaking, I think it was the two words that came out of his mouth at that time. There's been no indication of a rebuild. I think maybe you say we're doing a competitive rebuild uh, to kind of like generate some sort of like push towards the future when it's pretty clear that you are just trying to win now. I think it maybe is something where after giving Kirk Cousins an extension, like people are saying like, well, why did you do that? Like we, like a lot of, there was a fervor in Minnesota. Like if Kwesi would have torn it down, I don't think a lot of Vikings fans would have cared this year. No, I don't think so either. I think a lot of people wanted that. And, and again, I think it's important to know, like this isn't a Kwesi thing, like necessarily. Like, I don't think he came in and was like, wow, like this, we're good. We we can figure this out. I think it was like, okay, how do I get this job? And once I have the job, like what do my bosses want? My bosses want me to put together a competitive team. So I will do that. Um, and then hopefully I will get a long enough leash to do what I actually want with this franchise. Um, I think part of him, maybe he uses that word because, and this is me just kind of like psychoanalyzing him at this point. Um, we barely talk to the man anymore. Um, he's kind of, he he came out at training camp and he said he's going to say less and he certainly has done that. Um, but I think he probably deep down wants to rebuild and he knows he has to be competitive. So he's just kind of convincing himself like we're going to be competitive this year and rebuild. Uh, that's what I really want to do. So the word itself, I think, is, has gotten a lot of play. Um, it's certainly in the Twin Cities media market are the two words competitive rebuild um, because it just sounds so silly. And like you're totally right. They are just trying to be competitive. They are not rebuilding. Um, there is nothing he has done yet that has given off the aura of we are looking towards the future. A lot of it has been win now. Um, and I can't blame him. That's what he was hired to do. That's, uh, I think maybe like we should listen back to the tape because maybe he muttered a word under his breath during it. He's like, we are going to have like a competitive then rebuild. like one season and then we're going to get to do what i want uh maybe he wanted this team to lose so he could go to the wilson be like guys this isn't going to work we have to rebuild he's maybe the bears are mad they won and maybe quasi dofamensa is like pulling his hair out because they won um you know like it's possible um but i will say for the bears too like here's the tough spot they're in they're rebuilding they're taking a bunch of losses it's also a team that like traded the farm for Justin Fields. Um, and they obviously got picked back for Khalil Mack. So that helps some, but like it stinks when you have a young quote unquote franchise quarterback that you traded so much for, and it's impossible to evaluate him. I don't think he's looked good regardless. Like I think you can get something out of this anyway. And I don't think he's looked very good, uh, but 
you also have no talent around him. So I understand the people who want to defend him in that respect because the O-line's not great, though he makes it worse um, with kind of lack of pocket presence and decision-making. And the weapons are not good. Um, so, like, there's it's tough to, like, fully gauge him. Uh, it, it's tough to gauge anything. And then it's like, and we gave up a ton for this. So do we really want to just start over? Because I don't think you're getting about a bunch of picks if you want to trade them. You're going to get, like, a fourth-round pick probably at that point. Like, the Bears are rebuilding, and also in, like, I think the Vikings can kind of soft reset next offseason and still be ahead of Chicago because I think the Bears mm-hmm. are in such a bad spot. Yeah, and I think it's something where we'll see, like, look, the Vikings are 3-1. and one. The Vikings could very well finish with 11 wins this year. That's, like, I think that's that's attainable. But they, you could also, I think this offseason, even if they are a playoff team, even if they win in the, a first-round playoff matchup, even if they go, dare I say, like to the NFC Championship game. Like, I don't think that's within their reach, but the NFC is really bad this year. All of those things I'm saying. It would not surprise me to see them do something like Philadelphia did with Jalen Hurts this offseason, where they draft a quarterback. And people were like, well, why are they drafting Jalen Hurts? Like, they have Carson Wentz, and they just paid Carson Wentz. And, like, because they didn't really believe in Carson Wentz. And now that you're seeing like that works and like the archetype of winning a Super Bowl in the NFL, a lot of the times, more often than not, I think significantly more often than not over the past decade or so has been, you you have to have a quarterback on a rookie contract, a good right. quarterback on a rookie contract that doesn't eat up a lot of your cap. So you can go out and get other things. I could see the Vikings drafting a quarterback this year. It doesn't mean the guy starts next year. But like it, it could be a thing where okay, Kirk, like we we've kicked the can down the road and this is it. This is your last year. Um, now I'm not saying this year. I'm saying next season would be okay. This is it. You have a guy behind you now. Um, that this that's all like theorizing down the road. I I just wouldn't be surprised if if they did do that. The Bears almost can't do that. Like they they because you haven't surrounded Justin Fields with talent. Like yes, if Ryan Poles wants to draft a quarterback in the 2022 NFL draft or 2023 NFL draft, he will do that. Um, but it, it's a little hard to do that when you've, 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 like you said, you've sent the farm for, for, to get Justin Fields a year ago, two years ago. So I think the Vikings are maybe even in a little bit better position than the bears to kind of make a change at quarterback at some point. Um, it, it's interesting. Um, it, I, I'll be interested to see these rosters, in three or four years, the bears have like $105 million in cap space next year too. So like when you look at the rosters in three years, in four years, maybe we'll be saying like, yes, Ryan Poles made the right decision to tear this thing down to the studs and rebuild it back up. And look, now Quasey's trying to catch up. Um, he should have done that three years ago. Yeah. Um, the Vikings could easily do like, I wouldn't recommend doing like the, second or third round pick thing um, because it, it's so easy to miss on those guys. Mm-hmm. Certainly if you believe, really believe in a prospect, um, if you just think somebody has been undervalued for sure. But a lot of third round picks, it's like, well, maybe that guy's our future. And there's a reason why he was a third round pick because he wasn't very good. Um, it's we because you don't want to end up in like the Malik Willis situation where you take him and it's like, he's the guy and for the future or whatever. Um, when like, he's just probably not very good. Um, so like, if you're going to do that, I would say like really commit to it and maybe use like what could be a later first round pick. Maybe it's like 24, 25, 26, depending on how many games they win. Then maybe there you pull the trigger on a guy who you've liked. Um, we'll see how it all plays out, but right. There's it's, it's going to be really fascinating to watch the next three or four years, how these franchises kind of wrap, like 
continue to go? Like in what directions they go, how, how their plans of attack play out. Yeah. All right, I think uh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll come back and we'll actually talk about this Sunday's game um, right after this. Talking Vikings bears Sunday noon, us bank stadium. Uh, we will Dane and a special guest. will discuss it actually. Um, after Sunday's game, I will not be on Sunday's episode. Dane will f- have a special guest to be announced who that is uh, breaking <laughs> down the action, whether the Vikings win or lose Sunday against Chicago. Dane, let me ask you this though. Is it a lock that Minnesota wins Sunday's game? Uh, because we see the bears, we see like the lack of a passing attack. Um, it, it looks like they can't score more than 14 points. Uh, so what do you see though out of this? Like, is, is it loser proof for Minnesota? It sure looks like it, but it's always hard to like, I'm not from Minnesota. I got here 12 years ago, but I feel like a Minnesotan at this point. It's hard to live in Minnesota and just like assume that anything is a victory, especially like against the bears. Like generally the Vikings have played pretty well at home against the Chicago bears. The bears are terrible this year. That offense is an abomination. I don't think the defense is very good either. It sure feels loser proof, but I don't know. Like we are, a pick six from cousins away from the Vikings chasing it all game and, and not being able to catch, catch it. So yes, logic would say this is loser proof. Logic would say Jefferson's going to have a pretty good day against that cornerbacks group that is lacking. Um, Dalvin cook might have a bounce back day against a, you know, a front seven that is lacking. And honestly, like the defense as bad as, they are as as underwhelming as they've been this season should have a pretty good day against Justin Fields in an offense that is extremely lacking. So nothing about the Chicago bears scares me. The only thing that would scare me from a Vikings perspective heading into this game would be like the propensity to shoot yourself in the foot that like sometimes Kirk cousins does throw a pick six. Sometimes the offense does sputter. Um, I think you're going to really have to go out and lose this game for the Vikings. Cause I don't think the bears are going to take it at all. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's going to have to be like, if the bears are to win this game, it's going to be something funky. Like the pick six is perfect. A fumble six, something like that. Um, maybe the bears take a punt back to the house. Like these like games, like where you see bad teams beat good teams is like these massive momentum plays that um, are not like defense versus offense, just dominating the game. Like it's fluky kind of feeling. And I think that's how this one will have to play out. Like Minnesota hasn't been awesome. The bears have been horrendous largely. Um, they played in a monsoon in one, and then they barely beat the Texans at home and the Texans are terrible. Um, yeah. That's like the interesting thing to me is the Vikings defense here, because we've seen like the, the soft coverage and giving up a ton of yards and just kind of, living through not giving up touchdowns basically. Uh, but this bears offense can't move the ball. So like, I'm wondering, do we see the same approach defensively? And if so, like, do the bears try to take some advantage of that? Do they try to let Justin Fields rip? Because every quarterback has had no issue uh, moving the ball down the field against this defense, just taking eight, 10 yard routes, um, crossing routes over the middle, like incredibly soft, easy throws. This would be a great week for the Bears to try to get Justin Fields some confidence, get him going if Minnesota is going to play like this. But I'm not sure they'll do that. They might just say, hey, the Vikings are bad against the run. Um, let's just pound David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert 40 times. Um, I think that would be to Minnesota's advantage. We'll see if they kind of unleash just 
Justin Fields on this defense. Um, I don't know. He might make a ton of mistakes. And frankly, though, like if you're Chicago, this is your time to get an answer on Justin Fields. Like put him up against this defense, this coverage and say, like, can you move the ball some? And if not, then we already have our answer for next season. Like this is a great audition for him, I think. Yeah, the the Vikings aren't going to blitz him. Like you asked, do you think the Vikings will change their scheme because they're playing such a bad offense? No, I do not. I don't think Ed Donatel will change his scheme at all this year. Um, I think if he were going to make some tweaks, we would have seen it through the first month of the season. I think he's willing to live and die with like, let's bend, let's not break, let's figure it out later. Um, The personnel is what it is. I'm not sure the Bears will, will... take advantage of that because I don't know if Eberflus and, and, and Luke Getty and, and that crew in Chicago trust Justin Fields to make those throws. The Vikings defense, as we've talked about is predicated on making the quarterback continuously make the play that they have to make. I don't know if Justin Fields can do that. Like, like his biggest play of the season so far was in the monsoon. He ran around for like 25 yards in the backfield and, and like flung a pass to, I think it was Dante Pettis. Like yeah. it was wide open because of this, of a scramble drill when in, in the San Francisco 49ers lost him. Justin Jeff or Justin Fields, I'm sorry, has not really shown the ability to, to march down the field, to move the ball with any sort of regularity, but you're right. Like if he can't do it against, this Vikings defense who is not going to pressure him, who is going to give him those underneath routes, who's going to give him the 12 yard in over the middle or the 15 yard dig across over the top, all for not like losing guys downfield, all for keeping everything in front of them. If, if Justin Fields can't move the ball this week, yes, that's, it's a concern. Um, regardless of the weapons you have around you, regardless of the fact that your offensive line sucks and that, your best weapon is probably Darnell Mooney who like, I don't know, like, does that dude even really exist? Like you still have to be able to move the ball against this Vikings defense who is giving up more yards than almost every team in the league. Uh, say what you want about the points. They are giving up so many yards per game. Like you have to be able to move the ball if you're Justin Fields. And this is in the same respect, like for the Vikings defense for the pass rush, it's like, okay, this team gives up like the highest sack percentage in the NFL. And part of that is a terrible offensive line. And part of that is Justin Fields having no pocket presence and not being yep. decisive on making throws. Like those two combined have been her- horrific uh, together. Like it's, it's like the worst combination ever. So you've got to get home, even if that takes some time or whatever. Um, if you don't have three, four sacks in this game, like, that's never going to happen again. Like we just say like this team will never ever get pressure home because this is the time to do it at us bank stadium. When it gets loud, you know, like communication issues, whatever, like this is a recipe for Daniel Hunter to have two sacks. Where does Darius Smith to have, you know, one and a half sacks for di- different guys to get home and just have a field day because everybody else has against Chicago. You shouldn't need to send pressure. Frankly, the Vikings game plan, should be perfect for Chicago. Like that should be, this should be the, the ideal defense that you throw at the bears. And it's what you do every single week. You guys have got to get home in this game. Like, if not, like we'll sound the alarms of like, okay, they're never going to pressure anybody ever. Um, and, and that's what it is offensively for the Vikings. Uh, this is a decent bears defense, frankly. Uh, so another good test, I think just to see like, okay, are we seeing strides? Um, is there any continued growth? Um, there should be, frankly, I think um, it's it's a good, not like great unit. Yeah, it's it's a chance to 
even if the steps aren't big and giant, like it's a, it's a chance to take another step forward. They've taken steps forward. Like we said, from week two to three, from three to four, let's see if they can take a step forward from four to five. All right. Uh, let's get into the purple prop party. Uh, first we'll do a prop and then we will do our game picks. Dane DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, what is your favorite player prop this week? Justin Fields. His over/under on passing yards is one sixty-one and a half. I am going to take the under. Okay. Um, the Vikings defense so sad has tempted me to want to take the over because I do think that the defense there's going to be a, they're going to remain in their shell. There's going to be a lot of open spaces to throw into. I just don't think Justin Fields is very good. I'm taking the under. Um, he's only hit that over mark once this this whole season. It was last week. Um, he had like a 58 yard throw to 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 Darnell Mooney that that really buoyed his stats last week as far as passing yards go. I think he's going to be under that number, um, and 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 more because of him and less because of the Vikings defense. All right, I'm going Greg Joseph over one and a half field goals made. Uh, coming off of five field goal week last week, I think the Bears defense, I think the Vikings will move the ball, but it is a good defense as we discussed. I think the Bears will also give the Vikings some troubles punching the ball into the end zone. Um, we'll see if Minnesota can correct its red zone issues from a week ago. I just think that Greg Joseph is going to have opportunities again in this game. Uh, it's only like... I think minus 145. So not a great payout on this. Like it's definitely the betting favorite for Joseph to go over that one and a half mark. But I think that's a near lock. Yeah, the uh, Vikings red zone offense, not that good, right? Like, so no, that's an area where they've got to make a stride. Um, so Joseph should get his chances. All right. Uh, game picks. The Vikings are seven point favorites in this game per the DraftKings Sportsbook. Over-under is at 44. Dane, what is your score prediction? I think they cover this week. Um I, I have them right around like I, I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think we'll we'll hit the under. I I, I see it at like seventeen ten, or like what's so a push? That would be a push, I guess. So, um, I don't think it's going to be like a, a blowout by any means. Um, yeah, that would not be a cover. So bet bet for the Bears to cover or bet for a push. I don't know what I'm saying. Seventeen ten, and uh, I've lost my mind. I I just I don't think this is going to be like an overly impressive win but i think the vikings will pull it out i've got 24 13 vikings i do have a cover i think this is one of those weeks where we can finally like it can be more convincing um and maybe feel a little bit better about the defense though that might have to do with the bears offense uh but i think the vikings punching punching in a few more times um i'm gonna go 23 13 because otherwise i don't think i'm hitting my field goal over uh so we're gonna go 23 13 um <laughs> with greg joseph kicking we put a lot of thought into, into these score predictions. Yeah, score's it's tough, a, man. It's it an exact random. It's on the fly for sure. Uh, Greg Joseph, 23-13. He kicks in three field goals. Uh, Minnesota punches in a couple touchdowns. And we walk away saying, like, well, that didn't come down to the wire. And the Vikings are a little bit more convincing. And maybe we change our thoughts about this team. Um, and Minnesota moves to 4-1, and one, which um, – you know, we'll have it right near the top of the NFC standings. All right. Uh, come back on Sunday. Listen to Dane and his special guests to be announced. Break down all the action um, as Minnesota, the after effects of Minnesota's game Sunday against Chicago at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, for Inside Purple and Gold, this has been Jace Frederick and Dane Mizutani. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you. 
2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.